The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Talking the Draft. Yes, we will be doing that today. And as you can tell, I'm still jacked up from the past three days. Uh, We're not just going to sit here and gloat about what the Cowboys did. We're going to get into the general uh, outlook of of how the draft went with it being virtual. We're going to get into some of the other teams around the NFL that had good drafts and bad drafts. Uh, Then we'll take it to break. And then the second half of the podcast, we will spend dunking on every other team talking about the Dallas Cowboys draft in the specifics. Uh, But first, I do have to ask, Connor, are you still as jacked up as I am? I haven't slept until 1030 in probably five or six years. And I woke up at 1030 this morning. So I feel like all of my excitement just wore me out throughout the last three days and it made me sleep really good for a really long time so that's how I know that my uh my 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 body is recovering because I I normally wake up at about 8 a.m no matter if I'm going to work or you know on the weekends or whatever so the fact that I actually slept the latest I've slept in about six years tells me that my body is fully recovered and I am ready to uh you know ready to take a break from from the NFL draft for a little bit you know dive into some other some other things and and get ready for the hopeful training camp that we have coming up here in a few months. Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm gonna you know do the the draft recap stuff, and then I'm not gonna watch a prospect or the NFL for a while. I'm gonna get some good reading in. I'm gonna do some research on like scheme specific stuff because I want to get better with that. You know, just trying to constantly improve my game. But let's talk about the draft. How did you feel about the the virtuality of of everything and how smoothly it went? I thought everything re- went really well. I mean, there was no real technical hiccups. Um, you know, the I, I thought it was. Re- I actually liked. You know, and I feel like a lot of people have said this, but I really liked like when they panned to the teams and they were in the living room with their kids or their family. Like I thought that was cool because that's what we do. And I feel like, you know, we're never in our suits and ties in front of you know, a big draft room. Like it felt like everyone was on an equal playing field. Like everyone was at home. Like there was, 
it was just a laid back scenario. And I thought that that was pretty cool to see everybody just kind of hanging out with their families and, and drafting, you know, on Skype with their, their team scouts and, and general managers. And I thought that that was a real cool look of how they, uh, how they were going about things, but I thought it went real smooth. I think the, the first day was kind of slow. It started about 25 minutes late and first round always goes a little bit slower, but I think as things progressed, you know, it was, it was really cool. And I think they, that, you know, the NFL and ESPN did a, did a decent job of, of, you know, staying on course and not getting too far off track. So I thought they handled the situation really well. I thought it was very smooth and, and I, I really liked the way it went. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of like the virtual draft more than a normal draft. Um, obviously you want to be able to be in a city, you want to be able to have some fan engagement, but I feel like taking some of the pageantry away from the draft was actually good for the draft. Um, like I enjoyed, you know, seeing the, the Skype stuff. Um, and honestly, like I watched the draft show most of the time anyway. So, uh, I mean, I had ESPN in the background, you know, I saw that they were talking about like super sad stories the entire time. Uh, but you know, I didn't need them driving out on a boat to an Island in Las Vegas to shoot off fireworks and announce the draft pick. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't need that. Um, and so seeing this and having it just be about the the players and the teams, I kind of enjoyed it. And honestly, I felt like the virtual draft kind of humanized Roger Goodell a little bit. Like I I actually yeah. enjoyed I enjoyed Roger Goodell for the first time in my life, um, especially you know on day two, like later on day two, where it looked like he was a dad after eleven a.m. on Thanksgiving, where he was just like chilling on the couch like ready to go to sleep um he was like bright red i thought he'd been hitting the bottle that night (laughs) and then on on uh saturday he just had a t-shirt on he was just done with it he was like i'm I'm not doing this anymore uh so it, it was kind of fun to see that as well but we should probably get into you know some of the teams we felt did well some of the teams we felt you know could have done a little bit better but First, I I need to kind of say, I thought teams in general just drafted better than normal, don't you? Yeah, no, we talked about that on Twitter a little bit, I think, uh, after Friday, the fact that there was no real big, you know, splashes in the first round, we didn't have really any wow moments, you know, and that's that's good for, for NFL teams because, you know, normally there's a Cleveland Farrell that goes top three and you're like, why in the world did that just happen? And that really didn't happen. I mean, AJ Terrell was probably the first one, but I feel like we kind of understood that that was a good chance that was going to happen because of the lack of top end talent at the cornerback position. Um, I mean, not saying we agreed with it, but we talked about it on our mock draft that, you know, he was a a candidate for the 17th overall pick. So the fact that he went 16th really didn't, I don't think it really surprised us as much as it surprised a lot of the other people. But, I mean, again, there was definitely some questions. Austin Jackson went went higher than I think a lot of people thought, but that was also kind of talked about a little bit leading up to the draft on how we should kind of expect that to happen. I just I just thought it was very clean, a clean first round for the most part, and you really get that. You know, of course the Seattle Seahawks decided to throw us their normal <laughs> knuckle curveball that just taken – uh, outside of a top 100 player in the first round, but we just got to get used to that because that's been them the last four or five years. Bro, this man, John Snyder, 
broke a wall down in his house so he could draft Jordan Brooks yep. in the first round. That's it. That's what oh he does. Oh, God. What in the F are they doing in Seattle, man? Just know. wasting Russell Wilson. And, and honestly, like, it shows how good Russ is that, that he's able to transcend perennial poor drafting. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's just – And poor coaching. Yeah, poor because coaching, they, poor drafting. They run the ball too damn much. Like, oh, it's dude, it's it's amazing to me. And you know, like you said, with with AJ Terrell and Austin Jackson, like we did, we we saw those picks coming in the first round. We saw that you know Isaiah Wilson was probably going to go in the first round. Um, some of the tackles that ended up falling, you know, Prince Tegawanoga and uh, Lucas Niang. Like I didn't see those happening, but apparently PTW's knee is really uh, pretty poor. Um, so. You know that Niang have a hip. He have a hip or a knee too. Yes, yes. Niang uh, had a torn labrum in his hip that he was recovering from. But like I, I felt like he was you know one of the best you know pure right tackles in this draft class. Uh, But you know teams that that I felt did well. You know, obviously the Dallas Cowboys probably won the draft, but you know we'll we'll get into that in depth later. So we'll skip them for now. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, I, I felt, had a, a pretty good draft. Um, I felt like the, the Ravens always draft well. Yeah. Uh, they did that again this year. The the Carolina Panthers getting Derek Brown, Utergross Matos, uh, Jeremy Chin at 64, Kenny Robinson later, Troy Pride, and then obviously Matt Rule went Baylor with Bravion Roy, who I had a fourth-round grade on. They got him in the sixth. I felt they did really well. Uh, the Browns, I felt, did pretty well. Um, they uh, ended up getting, you know, their tackle at ten, the best tackle in the draft, in my opinion. Got Grant Delpit at forty-four, which is uh, pretty good value there, um, especially if you were looking for a true free safety, which they were. Um, and then they also, uh, I'm trying to think of who else they got there. I'm trying to look. I uh, won't we'll move on from them for now. The Broncos got faster. Yeah. <laughs> That's they, for damn sure. They were they definitely knew what they were doing going into draft weekend. That was yep. to get weapons for Drew Locke. <laughs> yep. Um, I really like the Jaguars draft. They got C.J. Henderson and Caleb Von Chase on without having uh-huh. to move at all. Um, yep. You know, C.J. Henderson was my second-graded corner, uh, top 15 player. Caleb Von Chase on was my second-graded edge rusher. A top 16 player. Um, I didn't love LaVisca Chenault, but I think that his fit in Jacksonville makes a lot of sense for a team that really doesn't. They already have their deep threat receiver in DJ Chark, so LaVisca Chenault can kind of just get the ball in his hands underneath and then make some guys miss. So he's not going to be asked to be like this dynamic route runner to separate in all three levels. He can run a lot of crossers, you know, a lot of screens, get the ball underneath, and then, you know, make some some, some guys miss. I love Devon Hamilton. Uh, for those guys, because they've had some issues in the middle of their defensive defensive line, you know they just they just got rid of Calais Campbell. Um, what was our what was our guy from Florida a few years ago? They drafted in the first round. Defensive tackle, oh, Taven Bryant. Taven Bryant. He's been disappointing. So they get Dave, Davon Hamilton, a guy who's going to sit in in the middle of that line, uh, be a tough guy to run around. Um, and then I really like Ben Barch as late as they got him in the fourth round. Um, you know he's a small school. 
you know, lacks the physical traits, but I think that he's got some potential as a tackle, but uh, they could slide him into guard um, and probably get a day one starter at guard, in my opinion, with the physicality, nastiness, and um, second-level athleticism he shows. And then I like some of the things they did. Daniel Thomas late uh, in round five, uh, safety out of Auburn, uh, key special teams player, Colin Johnson, as late as they got him. So I really like what they did for the most part in their draft class as well. No, I absolutely agree with you, man. Uh, I felt like they were pretty good overall. Uh, Davon Hamilton, you know, I saw people, you know, talk about taking him over Lecky Fotu. He's a better football player than Lecky Fotu is. Uh, Fotu has the the higher upside, but Davon Hamilton is fantastic. Um, And then, you know, obviously I I felt like getting Colin Johnson that late. And getting Colin Johnson after you took LaVisca Chenault, I felt was a good compliment because, you know, Colin can be your traditional X type receiver opposite of uh, DJ Shark. Um, and then you can put LaVisca in the slot a little bit uh, with uh, DD Westbrook, um, you know, d- depending on what you want to do there. And then, you know, you can kind of rotate those four wide receivers in and out. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders got meaner. They yeah. took a bunch of dogs, man. Uh, so you know, just kind of fitting what, uh, what the foot, what the. Uh, oh my God, I can't think of their head coach right now. John Gruden. They fit <laughs> what John Gruden likes. I, I don't know how I forgot that. Um, my favorite draft, probably outside of the Cowboys, was the Minnesota Vikings. Um, they oh, got uh, to bring them up. Yeah, I felt like Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney were great first round picks. And on top of that, they got picks from trading back from 25 to uh, 31, which I felt was a, a fantastic. It was nice because you were able to, to move back, still get uh, who I would imagine they wanted because Jeff Gladney, in my opinion, was the second-best corner in this class. I know I'm in the minority on that. I think that he is amazing. Uh, And then you get Ezra Cleveland, who's a a high-upside guy, and Cameron Dantzler, who fell a little bit because of his athletic testing. Could fall to a better team. Yep, if he's going to work anywhere, it's going to be in Minnesota. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to start or, or play over Holton Hill, who is still one of my favorite guys that I've ever watched. Um, obviously, he's got to stay on the football field, but with new CBA stuff, that might get a little bit easier for him. Uh, and then Kenny Willekes, not a not a great football player, but he's going to play hard for you. Um, and in the seventh round, I felt like that was a good pick. Yeah, I like the Vikings draft. You know, I think people are kind of saying that that's probably the best draft. I, I definitely like what they did on day one. Um, I'm I wasn't a big fan of Ezra Cleveland, so that pick kind of is, I mean, a head scratcher for me because I just don't. I think he's like the Colton Miller of 2020. Um, and then Cameron Dantzler, I really like, so I like that pick as well. But I, I think after day two, I just didn't like a whole lot of what they did. You know, DJ Wanham, DJ Wanham's a good player, but I was like, he's a late, you know, day three, you know, a sixth, seventh round pick. Um, I didn't like James Lynch, the Baylor defense lineman. You know, I think that he was a, you know, sixth or seventh round player. They take him in round four. Uh, Troy died. He kind of went where I thought he should as far as value. Um, Disagree. You like Troy Dye or you don't? I did. Okay. I did like Troy Dye. Um, I had a I had a third round grade on him. Um, I just I love the athleticism. 
there are things that he is definitely have to that he definitely has to clean up. He's a little bit undersized, uh, but I really like his length, and I, I think that in the modern NFL where you need guys that are able to cover, he's that type of athlete that can do that at the next level. Plus, they have I mean they have two really good linebackers already, so he'll right. be a sub package guy. Yeah, and then what they did in round five, Harrison Hand, a guy I, I didn't really see it with either. A lot of people liked him out of Temple. I thought that he was more of that sixth or seventh round guy. Um, KJ Osborne, I really didn't watch a whole lot of. Um, no. I don't even think I graded him this year. I didn't grade a lot of those Miami or Florida or Van Jefferson out of Florida um, was the only receiver that I graded. But I think they had two or three guys drafted from the receiver position, which our our friends in Seattle took another backup player way too early. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like what they did in the first day. Uh, second day was was okay with Cameron Dantzler for me, but I think. You know, their day three was kind of a lot of just the throwing darts, which is okay. But, I mean, again, I just think is a complete draft class or some teams I would have taken over them. Yeah, and I can agree with that. Um, I, I guess I just didn't really pay too, too much attention to their day three. I mean, like, I, I think that they got decent football players, but compared to who else was still on the board, because obviously, as we know, there was a ton of really, really good players still on the board in day three. Um I felt the New York Giants had a had a good draft. I felt like the Redskins had a pretty good draft. Um, so the NFC East, you know, pretty much did 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 well. Um, do you want to kind of get into some teams who didn't do as good, or are there any other teams that you really liked? Uh, I mean, I feel like we probably touched on a lot of the teams that we we liked and what they did. Um, can uh, can we laugh at the Eagles real quick? Yeah, I I didn't really get that at all um what what the hell are they doing man like i dude, like their I first know. pick i like their first pick i did i felt it. And, but i we... felt like i know you don't like him very much well, i felt it... like justin jefferson was a better fit in philadelphia because obviously like they just went through nelson aguilar they just had a year where none of their receivers could catch the football and what is his biggest issue in jalen Rager? is his drop rate. That is his biggest issue. And he is going to get crushed. And I hope that the kid, because I don't know the kid, I hope that the kid is tough enough to be able to handle that because Philly is not going to pull any punches when he drops his first pass. No, not at all. Yeah, and um, it's not that I hated Jalen Rager. Um, it's just the the hands are obviously a, a big issue. And the, I just didn't see a consistent route runner. I think he... You know, you like the athleticism at the catch point and the, the straight line speed, but I just see some stiffness in his hips, you know, when he's coming in and out of his breaks. So I, I think that he's going to be a vertical player. And I feel like they already have that in Deshaun Jackson. I, I feel like that they, you know, they have a guy that can run fast and straight and catch the football. And I, I don't know. I just don't like the, like you said with Justin Jefferson, I love the fit for Justin Jefferson for them more because he's more of a, a good route runner, a guy that creates separation underneath and all three levels. And I feel like Jalen Rager is kind of a, a little bit bigger, maybe more physical clone of Deshaun Jackson. So maybe they're moving on from Deshaun Jackson and Rager's his replacement and you know it won't be as redundant as I think it is right now. Well, and at the end of the day, you also need to look at how often Djax is not on the field, right? Because he's injured, uh, so that is also a, a thing to look at as but then well. They, but then they go out and trade for Marquise Goodwin, who's like the same exact. <laughs> it's yes, like, I don't. I don't yes. understand. Like when you look at their moves as a whole, I don't really I don't, understand I don't them. Think, I don't think that they look at Jalen Reger 
as just a downfield guy. Yeah. I th- I think that's where the disconnect is between how you feel about him and how they feel about right, him. Right, right. Which, um, I mean, again, like, I think he can do things underneath, but it's not going to be from a route running standpoint. It's going to be as yeah. your shallow crossers and, you know, so, some of just the, the screen games. But, like, I just don't think he's going to excel as a route runner in those shallow to inter- intermediate levels of the field. Yeah. So let's get to the rest of their draft. They took Jalen Hurts in the second round. Uh, that probably, probably the biggest shock of the draft for me, right? Like, I did not see that pick coming whatsoever. I just don't get it. I mean, no, neither do I. I, I mean, I, I know that you, I know that the Philadelphia Eagles' backup job is different than other backup jobs because their quarterback is injury prone. That's okay to say because it's true. I, I'm actually a very big fan of Carson Wentz. I have been. He was my QB1 coming out. Really, really love his game. But he can't stay on the field. So you need a good backup. And I think that Jalen Hurts can do those sorts of things. But, man, spending on, on a playoff caliber team right. to spend that high an asset. With as many not, holes as they have at corner with as and many safety. Holes you have and on, like, it didn't make sense to me, man. I mean, they... they, they and again, well, we, and then, we don't want to draft for need. That's not what we're. Yeah. That's not what we're saying here. But there was corners available. There was safeties available. There was linebackers available. There was defensive linemen available that you know they could have used over a backup quarterback. But mm-hmm. I mean, let's just ask the let's 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 acknowledge the elephant in the room. Like, this isn't anything about the future for the starting quarterback, is it? Like, they're not looking. No, no, I don't think so. No. I mean, I don't no, think I don't so think either, but that is a high pick. As we're talking about, like, if, if, you, if you didn't know anything about the Eagles quarterback situation and you saw that they drafted Jalen Hurts where they drafted him, like, you yeah, would be like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. going to be their starting quarterback in two years. Yeah, but, it, but it's, it's not because you just paid Carson Wentz. I you know. just paid him. Um, so let's move on real quick, and then we'll kind of get to break after talking about another team that we have to talk about. Uh, Davion Taylor thought it was too early for him. I really like Davion Taylor overall. I think that he'll eventually be a good football player, but he's still very new to the game. Um, yeah, we took I, him in the fifth round in our yeah, draft. Yep. I, I felt their best picks were at pick 127 uh, and then pick 145 and 210. So they, they took... Kayvon Wallace, which I, I felt was right around where I valued him. Jack Driscoll, uh, who I don't think you like, but I uh-huh. like. Um, and I felt like that pick was okay in the fourth round. And then Prince Tegawanoga, if he's able to stay healthy, I felt like he was a top seven tackle in this class. I really, really liked him. Saw him snatch away Kayvon Chase on multiple times in that, uh, that game against LSU. Uh, so I felt like that was a really good pick if he's able to stay healthy. Um, but overall, like you have to hit on your early picks and honestly, they, they just didn't do that. Um, so let's talk about the really, really, really bad team. Let's talk about the Seahawks real quick before we go to break. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the first round pick Jordan Brooks, who, who I think is an okay player, but you don't take a 105th, I think is where I had him on my board player. Yep. He was exactly my top 100 player. Gotcha. So they take him at twenty six. Is that where they were? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Um, they take him at twenty seven. Uh, just it. It was the only real what the f moment 
happened in the in the first round of the draft, in my opinion, and I just knew it was going to be them. Um, so it's just it's I I don't get it. You know they they I guess they had somewhat of a need at linebacker and they reached for it there, but even then, like I just don't see why that's you know they have they 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 need corners. They could use a safety. Like Xavier McKinney made a ton of sense there. Even Grant Delpit made a ton of sense there. Trayvon Diggs, who we got in the second round, I thought they would target him with that pick, but they just trump it all and, and go with a outside of top one hundred player and maybe we'll you know, we'll see how that plays out for him. Yeah, um and then, you know, with their forty eighth pick, they took Daryl Taylor, which I felt was a little bit early. I like Daryl Taylor. And maybe when he's fully healthy, because he did play injured this year. Maybe when he's fully healthy, he'll uh, you know round out to a, to be a really nice edge rusher for them. I was lower on Damian Lewis than I think a lot of people were. Uh, I didn't, you know, a lot of people talked about how strong he was. I didn't think that he was, you know, this super powerful player. I felt like he really struggled against length when he had to play against length. Um, he got absolutely dominated by Derrick Brown, and he got beat by Raquan Davis quite a few times as well, who we know cannot pass rush. So uh, I, I thought that was a little bit of a reach. Kobe Parkinson is terrible. I, all he can do is reach up and catch passes that are really tall. Um, DJ Dallas is not a good player. Uh, I wanted the Cowboys to, to take him as a preferred free agent, literally just for the jerseys. Um, Alton Robinson, also not a good player. Um, Freddie Swain, I don't is is that? I have no idea who Freddie Swain is. No clue. No, zero, <laughs> yeah, I, zero idea. When they drafted Freddie Swain, I said, who the F is Freddie Swain? Yeah, that, Freddie Swain, I was like, is that is that Jeff Swain's brother? Man, I didn't know that it was Swain and not Swain. And then Steven Sullivan is actually a really good pick. So they literally had one good pick in the draft, and it was their seventh freaking rounder. That's all we have to say about that. I would also like to point out that I felt the Miami Dolphins – had a ton of picks that they could have like had a transcendent draft with and they screwed it all up by the people that they took. I don't think they took terrible players, but they didn't take great players and they needed to take great players to take the next step in the AFC East. But with that, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back here on Talking the Draft. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back on Talking the Draft. If you are not a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, you can stick around if you want, but you're not going to like this segment because <laughs> we are going to go off 
about the best draft possibly in Cowboys history, but definitely out of all of the teams this year. It is our Dallas Cowboys. And let's just start it off up top, man. Let's let's just start it off at the top. I was sitting there sweating looking at my 11th ranked player in the draft Six. on the board compared to my 35th ranked player on the board in Kalevon Chason. I was sweating this 17th overall pick, Connor, and they did the right thing and they took the wide receiver and we're going to score 40 points a game. Yeah, it was the difference between my 6th and 15th ranked player, so even I was sweating. And you know how much I love Caleb on Chase on, so mm-hmm. you know that's bad when the guy who... Oh, sorry, I had Chase on at 13th, but still. Um, my 6th player compared to my 13th player, it was just a no-brainer. There's no way you pass up that value. They did the right thing, something they wouldn't have done and haven't done for the last five or so years and you can't tell me it's a coincidence we won't get into all that because we're going to keep things positive but you can't tell me that this is a coincidence that as soon as some people are gone that this team starts drafting like they did years ago with with Travis Frederick Tyron Smith Zach Martin like they definitely had some solid drafts a few years ago but they hit a grand slam it started with the first pick and it didn't even stop until Maybe the seventh round, and even then, I think that they got a good player in the seventh round too. No, we're gonna we're gonna spend some time talking about the seventh round pick because I am absolutely swooning over a seventh round quarterback that I didn't even watch JMU, until baby. until after the pick. JMU baby. JMU. Uh, also, uh, Wale went to JMU. I don't know if anybody knew that outside of you probably knew, but uh, Wale was a James Madison football player. I did not know that. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, Trevon Diggs was the – oh, first, I need to talk about C.D. Lamb. The Cowboys got wide receiver Look, one at pick 17. It, all right, you say that. Instead instead of beating the, the you know, beating the, the positives up, just let's name two things that C.D. Lamb doesn't do well. Uh, he's not uh, an overwhelming athlete. And... Per, the, per the tape or per his combine numbers? Both. See, I think he. I think he. I think he plays a great athletic ability on tape. I think he's. I think he plays with good athletic ability, but I, I don't think that he is an elite athlete I, for the position. That's that's all I'm trying to say. Right. Right. I don't think it, he's an elite athlete. And the reason I I wanted to do this is because it's telling you how safe he is, also while explaining how high of his ceiling is. He's not like there's questions with Henry Ruggs as far as what he's going to be able to do as a consistent route runner. You know, he, he the production in college wasn't there. There's questions with Jerry Judy's hands. You know, is he going to be able to catch the ball consistently? CeeDee Lamb has excellent hands. He has excellent after-the-catch ability. He's a nuanced route runner that doesn't get enough credit for his route running ability. He's elite after the catch. Like, there's just... There's... Oh, see, 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 we're going to disagree there. That was oh. going to be my second negative. And it's not a negative. I just think that his... And he is a, a good player after the catch. But I think that a lot of the big plays he made after the catch were just as much to do with just really poor defense as they were his ability post-catch. And I still think that he is very good after the catch, but I think that we've kind of touted him as this like transcendent after-the-catch player, and I don't think that he's that good. 
I think he's a great athlete. I mean, again, you can see the games against Texas and Texas Tech, you know, the the poor aggressiveness on defense, whatever you want to call it, and, and, and definitely yeah. say that. But, I mean, there's – he did and, – and, and that's what I, I just want to point out real quick. Like, I'm absolutely reaching for these two, like, right, negatives. Right. And they're not even negative. Yeah. I mean, again, he's as safe as it gets, and he probably – I mean, you know, I think that Henry Ruggs might have a little bit higher ceiling because of his overall functional athleticism, but he probably also has one of the higher ceilings in this class, too, as a wow. receiver. So, yeah, floors. You said ceiling again. Floor and ceilings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I said mean, he's got a highest ceiling and the oh, highest. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. lowest ceiling. I think he has a highest. Yeah. He definitely has probably the highest floor for me, and he has one of the highest no, ceilings. As no, well. you said it wrong again. He has the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. You just said he has the highest floor. He's got the lowest floor. No, lowest floor would mean that he's he's got... No, that means he's got a big bust potential. If you have a low floor... you mean That means you have a... The lower your floor is, the lower you are, right? Am I... Am I, am the, I... Lower, the lower the floor, the more potential you have to be bad. If right. you have a high, floor. yeah, you, if you have a high, a high floor. Yeah. You said he had a high floor. Right, that means he's not, I mean, are we, are we, we, you were talking about, no, you were talking about Henry Ruggs. Right, no, I'm talking about Lamb now. You were talking about Ruggs and you said he had a high floor. Okay. I was trying to say C.D. Anyway. Lamb has the highest floor in this class. Yes. Yes, but yes. he also has the highest yes. ceiling. Okay, now that we're on page, holy crap. Uh, let's get to Trevon Diggs. Oh, God. He uh he was my forty first ranked player. I had a, a low me. I had a low second round grade on him, and uh I felt like he kinda went where he was supposed to, um from a grading standpoint, but like he was still my forty first ranked player, so that's good value there. I think that he's a, a really smart defender who had to deal with a lot at Alabama going from playing in the slot uh, as a junior, moving outside as a senior, only having one year on the outside full-time, and having the, that Alabama defensive playbook uh, to handle. Um, felt like he did it well. He's just not super sudden as an athlete, and that's going to hurt his ability to mirror wide receivers. Um, but he's aggressive in zone coverage. He's smart in zone coverage, and I think that – Getting him at fifty one was a was a a triple, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I was which you have him graded one spot behind me, but I feel like I was probably lower on digs in this whole process than a lot of people. A lot of people were ready to take him at seventeen or even as a trade back option in the top twenty five and I was a little weary of doing that. You know, I think that he's kind of a panic player, something I like to yes. I like to call guys who they, they don't trust their athleticism. They don't trust their length. They start to get grabby at the top of routes. If guys, you know, he, he got beat by double moves a lot. And when that happens, he kind of gets grabby. He gets, he, he starts to panic. That's the best way to describe it. Um, his feet kind of start to fail him. His length fails him. His athleticism fails him and he starts to panic. Um, but you got to love, love the size, the length, the ball skills. Um, I think he's a guy that you could play in off coverage and zone coverage and have a lot of success with because of the that length and that athleticism. That that when he doesn't, I question his pure athleticism at times. But like when he doesn't have to think, I think his athletic traits take over and he's able to use it better. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and some of those issues that you have with him, uh, I have issues with the other cornerback. Uh, and I, I have those issues with Trevon Diggs too, but I, I feel like they took somewhat similar players in the two corners that they took um, with one big difference that we will uh, talk about. But Neville Gallimore, uh, he was uh, – let me look at it. My – oh, boy. Um, I think he was my 58th ranked player overall and we got him at 82 so i'm like wow like i don't know if i don't know if we're gonna get better value than that man like i i had him as my 32nd ranked player yeah you liked him too much i I liked him like a lot i'm just gonna be i'm just gonna be flat out honest with you and the rest of the uh listeners here i think out of the the top five guys or six guys yeah everybody except Danucci. And obviously, probably buy it as because he probably won't play. I think everybody else will have a higher impact year one than Neville Gallimore, just simply because Neville Gallimore, if he doesn't win immediately, he's not winning on that rep. And he's going to get beat to hell because he's not strong enough to hold up at the NFL level. And I think that was partially because he went from 330 to like 305 you know, going from his junior year to his senior year, and he lost a lot of that functional strength that he had had playing nose for Oklahoma, getting a little bit smaller. Honestly, like, I felt like he could lose a little bit of that bad weight that he was carrying earlier in his career, but he just got so weak after that that uh, it it really hurt his uh, ability to contribute, and he didn't produce. He never produced. And, I mean, we had those issues with Caleb on chase on, but Caleb on chase on played like 17 total games. Uh, Neville Gallimore played a lot of football and never really got consistent with his game. He's a, he is a one V one wonder is what he is. And you hope that with tank on one side and you have uh, Gerald McCoy and hopefully Randy Gregory, they like, hopefully he gets a lot of one V one situations because he can win quick with his athleticism, but if he doesn't win right away, it's over. Yeah, and I think that a lot of his issues came with seeing a lot of double teams at Oklahoma. You know, he was kind of the the best player on that front four, front three line that they play a lot. Um, so he 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 got a lot of attention, and I think what you just mentioned is something that is the reason that I had him graded as highly. I think at the next level he's not going to get as much attention. He's going to be able to get one versus one opportunity as a pass rusher. He's going to use his quickness. He needs to do better using his length and his hands to keep blockers out of his uh, breastplate, which is something we, we saw at the Senior Bowl a lot that he struggled with. But again, you see the quickness in his hands. You see the quickness in his arms, his lower half, that up-the-field explosion. I think that I think that you could get a similar player that you got with Malik Collins and Neville Gallimore, a guy that – you know, he's going to play some of the nose, play some of the three. Uh, he's got that pass rush quickness. He's never going to be a great run defender because of the, the ability to kind of not change directions as good as he can going up the field. Um, but I think you've got an up-the-field player there that has some pass rush potential if he can get some, some NFL coaching and learn to play with his hands and length a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I need to point out that I – I went a little bit harsh on Neville Gallimore there. I still think that he's a good player. And honestly, I felt like this was the best fit for him uh, with a guy like Jim Tom Sula and a guy like Gerald McCoy, because I think that uh, there's a lot of similarities between the two. And I think that Gerald McCoy is going to be a really good role model, not role model, but a really good teacher uh, to Neville Gallimore. Um, 
Yeah, I, I love like as you know, I had him as my thirty second ranked player, uh, very high on his athletic traits. Um, you know, I think that he could even improve athletically a little bit if he can learn to you know be a little bit more flexible in his hips in his ankles and his knees. So that's something he's going to have to work on, you know, continue to be, be more flexible. But if he can gain that flexibility and he can get coached up by Jim Tom Sula, like I think that his ceiling's probably even a little bit higher than I have him ranked. And again, he's got to learn to use his hands. He's got to learn to keep his, his chest free. And if he can do that, if he can, you know, continue to grow with that first move, then I think that he does have some, some big time potential in the league. Michigan state quarterback, Brian Lewerke agreeing to a contract with the Patriots. Just breaking news real quick. Uh, Reggie Robinson was not in my top 100. I think I was a little bit lower on him than a lot of people were. He ended up, uh, they, they took him around early from where I had him graded. I had him as a fifth round grade. And a lot of his issues were a lot of the same ones that we talked about with Trevon Diggs, just to a different level. Like Reggie Robinson, unlike Trevon Diggs, is a phenomenal athlete. My issue is he's way tighter in the hips than Trevon Diggs is. Um, he is not going to be a guy who is going to be able to mirror guys at the next level. It's just not going to happen. So you have to put him in the correct uh, situations to succeed. Now, I think that with his athleticism, he could be a great uh, off you know, coverage, cover three you know, zone guy. And then at the playing press man at the line of scrimmage uh, and carrying guys deep, I don't think that'll have an issue with that. My biggest issues with him are that he doesn't trust his athleticism. He opens up way too early when he's, you know, playing cap coverage, you know, playing the deep third in cover three, and he just gives up underneath routes just all day long. I mean, that's an issue uh, that I had with him, and that's why he fell out of my top 100, but he's got a sky-high ceiling, and when you already addressed cornerback earlier in the draft, I felt like doubling down on corner and taking a high upside guy who isn't going to have to play right away because you do have Cheetah Bayouzie and you do have Jordan Lewis and you do have Anthony Brown and now Trevon Diggs. I feel like having Reggie Robinson as your fifth corner who you can try to develop with Al Harris and Maurice Linguist is going to be awesome. Yeah, and we probably disagree on him a little bit because I think I think what you said about him opening up too early only kind of hurt him on inside leverage on releases. I think that he trusts his athleticism when he has the boundary to help work with him, and he can kind of use his length and his physicality to, you know, pinch the receiver's route path to the the sideline. Uh, but I did I do you know one of my negatives with him is he gave up the inside uh, a little bit too far too often on slants and, and deeper post routes. Um, but it's like. I don't know if it's a true athletic issue or it's just a true trust issue where he he likes giving receivers that outside leverage. He likes using the boundary to kind of push receivers towards the, the, the sideline, uses length to crowd throwing windows. Um, so maybe that's something that just NFL coaching can, can get him uh, more instinctive to, to get a better feel for those inside release routes, uh, the, the quicker stuff underneath, you know, breaking back towards the middle of the field. I think that if he can clean that up, um, I think that we got a really good good player there in the fourth round. My notes read so much better than my actual grade, and I had a lot of people ask me like what that meant, and it's just you know sometimes you watch guys, you write down your notes, you you have a numerical grading scale, you put your numbers in, and it comes out, and then when you read your notes, you're kind of like man, like 
I feel like my notes say that this is a third round player, but I gave him a fifth round grade. And that's kind of what, what happened with Reggie Robinson for me. When I go back and read my notes, it's a whole lot more positives than negatives. And the negatives I think are correctable. Um, he had a late fourth round grade for me, uh, which is kind of right where they took him. They, you know, maybe a little mm-hmm. early, um, but man, just my notes read a lot better than that. You, he kind of has like a late third round graders notes. Just my grade didn't equal out to kind of what my notes said to him. Yeah, I uh, I was just a, a little bit lower than that with my fifth round grade. My notes didn't read as kind, but like you said, like it, I think that it's just, and this is gonna sound really bad, but it's not as bad as it sounds. He's got bad hips and poor technique, and I think one of those things is definitely going to get fixed at the next level, and you can work around the other one. So I, I think that it, he's going to be okay if he's able to progress, and I think that they have the right guys in there to coach him up to do that. Uh, but we're going to take our final break. We're going to get back, uh, and we are going to talk about the last three draft picks, and then we are going to quickly touch on the free agents that they picked up afterwards. We'll be right back on Talking the Draft. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And we're back on talking the draft. Let's finish this up. Let's get the people out of here and uh, get back to work on 2021. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that at all. Um, there are psychopaths out there that are already doing like 2021 mock drafts and things like that. I, I can't fathom it. Uh, Tyler Biades in the fourth round pick 146 how did you feel about his tape i did not like his 2019 tape uh loved his 2018 tape i tweeted out after he was picked i thought that he was a first rounder based off of his 2018 tape which a lot of people also thought so it's not like that's a hot take but uh 2019 tape was rough he had a hip and a shoulder injury that kind of limited him uh athletically and in strength wise um but I, i like his ability to get to the second level make blocks on the move um very smart player um, has some, you know, Travis Frederick, Trevor, Travis Frederick nuances to his game where he's able to pre-snap, he's able to point some things out, uh, get everything lined up the correct way. Uh, like his ability, like I said, to get to the second level and seal blocks uh, on the linebackers. Um, blocks pretty well on the move in 2018 as well. Um, but I think in 2019, you saw a guy that was either limited athletically because of those injuries or he regressed. And that's just something that the Cowboys are going to have to figure out. If those injuries 
you know, kind of forced him to play a different style of game because he couldn't move quite as well with a hip injury and he couldn't play as strong at the point of attack with the shoulder injury. Um, but that's just something that he he got both of those things repaired. Uh, should be good to go, you know, coming from him. He made it seem like he was going to be good to go for camp if there is one. So that's going to be something interesting to see if he's able to get on the field and see how he plays athletics athletically and, and from a strength standpoint with those injuries supposedly being okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I ended up with a fourth-round grade on Tyler Baidez. Um, I didn't hate his tape as much as I hated it uh, watching other guys. Like, when I was watching the Ohio State tape, uh, watching Malik Harrison uh, it, and uh, Davon Hamilton, like, they kind of had their way with him. I felt like his other tape was really good. Uh, he uh, The injury, I think, hampered him a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see how he's able to fare once he is fully healthy again. But it doesn't really matter because he doesn't have to play. At the end of the day, like if he comes in and, and he competes and he wins the starting job and he's that guy that we saw in 2018, that's a fantastic pick. But if not, it's still a fourth-round pick and it's still just depth on the offensive line and you can never have too much depth Cheap on the depth. offensive line. Cheap depth. Yep. It's great. Um, moving on to the... I mean, you think he could probably play guard too, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes, I do too. I, do. I think yeah. he's a guy that's not just a center. So, you know, if, if Connor McGovern kicks his ass in the center competition and you want to throw him over onto left guard to be your swing interior offensive lineman, then great. You know, Joe Looney, you can have Joe Looney and Tyler Beadish, and that's that's about as good, probably as good as you're going to see from a pro level is your is your interior line depth. Yeah. So. And I mean that's what the Cowboys do. They just they just try to stockpile. And I understand it after 2017 in Atlanta. I'm sorry I had to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> the best pick of the draft from a value standpoint was their next pick. Uh, Bradley close. and I. What's up? Not close. No, not even close. Not even uh, Bradley close. and I was my 62nd ranked player, and they got him at 179. 76 He's a- for me. He is a damn good football player yep. that has short arms. Yep. And, and ran Carl, a four nine. That's Carl it. Lawson. Yeah. <laughs> he he's he's a damn good football player that has short arms and ran a four nine. His ten yard split was okay. And guess what? As a defensive end, how often are you running forty yards? How often do I need to see your top end speed? Last year, the way the team played run defense a lot. Shut up. But... Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> um, no, Bradley and I is a good football player who I think can contribute right away as a rotational player. Carl and, Lawson ran. And he played exclusively on the right side. Carl so Lawson had a 7 4 6 three cone. Bradley and I had a 7 4 4 three cone. Carl Lawson had a 114 inch broad jump. Bradley and I had a 115 inch broad jump. Carl Lawson had a 33-inch vertical jump. Bradley and I had a 31-inch vertical jump. And they both, uh, Bradley and I had 32 and one-eighth inch arms. And Carl Lawson had 31 and a half inch arms. So he's pretty much a very comparable athlete to Carl Lawson with a little bit longer arms. And their game reminded me of each other very similar. So I think you get a guy that wins with his hands. He wins with technique. Uh, he's got strong latch strength. You know, when he gets his hands on you, he's able to control blockers. 
Um, not going to offer you much as a run defender right away, especially when they run right at him. He can do some stuff when he's able to work down the line, uh, get outside the tackle box and make plays laterally, but he's not going to offer much when you know that when they run right at him at right in, he's not a guy that really does a good job at stacking and shedding. You know, he kind of struggles with that in the length department, but I think as a pass rusher, uh, you see some of the ability to bend, not consistently. He's tight in the hips, but you do see some, some flexibility in the ankles and the knees. He just needs to get a little bit better. Uh, with his hip flexation, um, but I think you see a guy that can 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 disrupt the pocket. He's a technician with his hands. He's got multiple ways he can win, um, and, and again, just an absolute steal in the fifth round. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. He's a he's a technician. He's he's everything that you want uh, from from that position, especially you know in the later rounds. And you know, I never looked at this team as edge being a massive need, and I know a lot of people did. But, like, you still have Tyrone Crawford when he's healthy is going to be your right end. You obviously are, are hoping to get Alden Smith and Randy Gregory back on the field. And you still have Dorrance Armstrong and Tank Lawrence. So, like, yes, they're, you know, guys that you feel great about. Uh, not really, but like you, you beggars can't be choosers. Like, we have guys there, and there aren't a ton of great edge players out there. And that's just kind of the way that it is. I would have Plus, been fine taking him in the third round. Yeah, me too. With as weak as this edge class is, with where they have edge as you know, being a need, I don't think it's a top two need. I actually think mm-hmm. wide receiver was probably a bigger need than edge rusher. It was. Um, you know, I think corner I think corner safety and wide receiver are probably bigger needs for me than edge rusher. Um yep. but I mean to get this player in the fifth round is just an absolute steal. There's no other way to get around it. And I tweeted about it, and they took Tyler, and then they took Bradley after. I tweeted, take Tyler or Bradley here, and they took Tyler, and then they ended up getting Bradley as well, and that tweet kind of blew up. People were like, yeah, you had a good day, didn't you? (laughs) Like, yes, yes, I did. Um, But let's get to the seventh-round pick and then get to the uh, free agents that we got. Uh, I know I I saw you tweeting about it a little. uh, Did you watch Ben DiNucci beforehand, or? I watched Ben DiNucci live about four or five times over the last two years. Um, he's a pit transfer, uh, a guy that doesn't lie you with his arm strength, but his ball placement's really well. He's kind of a dual-threat quarterback that does a lot of work with his legs. Uh, he, he He's able to produce off structure which is was really impressive at JMU um but again you know he's a he was a late round I didn't have a draftable grade on him but I liked Ben DiNucci because if I follow a college football team closely at all it's going to be JMU my my boss is a JMU fan he always takes us to JMU games for little business trips so it's cool to kind of talk to him and and you know know the ins and outs of JMU football and he was he was kind of excited when they saw that he was drafted but uh Definitely a developmental type quarterback. I think that he probably didn't get enough credit as some of these other guys because of the school he went to. Um, I wish I would have spent more time watching him pre-draft, but honestly, just kind of looked past him as well, uh, which is you know not something I like to admit. But you know, I probably spent too much time watching the Stephen Montezes and Anthony Gordons and, and Nate Stanleys when I probably should have been watching Ben DiNucci because I think he's probably just as good, if not better, talented than than those guys. Yeah, I haven't uh, finished his – I'm evaluating him right now and I'm finishing him up and I got to crunch the numbers and everything. 
Um, but it sounds like I'm going to like him a lot more than you do. I think that he's better than Anthony Gordon, and I had a fourth round grade on Anthony Gordon. Wow. Like this kid, this kid is is something else from from what I've seen. Um, and obviously, it's you got to factor in the the competition level which that he is playing with is awful, um, <laughs> which is awful. Um, but there is a lot to like with him, man. He's got a quick release. He's got a ton of elbow velocity, which helps him really push the ball out there uh, for not being a big guy. Um, I know uh, his quarterback coach is Quincy Avery, uh, who's big on Twitter. I was talking to him a little bit. I said, you know, did did he play baseball growing up? Because he does a lot of the things that you see from. You know, obviously, I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but I'm saying he does some of those yeah. like those, sidearm, those sidearm yep. throws. Uh, he's really good with them, and he he's consistently accurate there as well when he does that. Um, I, I feel like he's a really good player. He's mobile. He's smart. I, I think that you know, there's a couple plays that I put on Twitter that are going to go in my article that I put up about him where I guarantee you Chris Hall or Will McClay, whoever talked to Jerry, showed him some of these plays, and Jerry goes, that's Tony Romo. Yeah, because he does a lot of the same things when it comes to, you know, a little bit like Joe Burrow with avoiding pressure. And, you know, obviously Joe Burrow was doing it again against SEC competition and not Villanova um, or Elon. But, you know, there is a little bit to like. And I think, you know, if anything, it's just going to be he comes in, he plays well in the preseason. And uh, we have to deal with people saying that he's better than Dak Prescott. So can't wait for that. Yeah, he terrifies me as a runner because he doesn't have that run out of bounds or slide mentality. He's going to yes. duck his shoulder and try to run right through you, which works against, like you said, Delaware and Elon. But when the when Bobby Wagner's the guy you're trying to do that against, you might want to change that. But <laughs> And the other thing that scares me with the way that he runs is uh, his carriage is really low and he will swing the ball. Yeah. So not, not something that I love all that much, but, you know, it is what it is. Now – Let's get into the UDFAs that they've picked up. I have the tracker here. Is there anyone who you really want to talk about? Another JMU Duke. Have you watched Rondell Carter yet? Of course not, no. He can play, man. I mean, he's a probably more of a left defensive end than a right defensive end, in my opinion. Uh, but he's got some explosiveness. He needs to do a better job of playing with his hands and his arms. He he doesn't really understand the the length play yet, um, which is something that I think Jim Tom Sula can help him out with a lot. But his hands are violent. Um, he's got some violence in his upper body too at the point of attack. Uh, but you see the ability to bend. You see the ability with his first step to win with first step quickness. Uh, he rushes really inside, uh, really good when he does the the twist game coming inside. His inside moves as a pass rusher are probably better than his outside moves right now um, because his hands aren't really as big and to play off on the on the edge as they are inside. He's able to just use that outside arm to to swim over um, and rip inside. Um, but again, I think he's got a very good chance to to push for this roster spot because of the size, uh, the athleticism, and I think that they're going to see some some rawness in his game that they can clean up in camp. Uh, my other guy that I really like is Aaron Fuller, uh, or sorry, Aaron Parker out of Rhode Island. I think that he's a guy that has good size, has good athleticism, uh, very consistent can, uh, hands, his body control, uh, catch radius is positive. Um, I think he's a guy that can kind of threaten for a roster spot as well, and I want to bring it up but heartbroken by Courtney Davis leaving us because I think that was one both of us were both excited about. 
Yes, uh, I was definitely excited about that as well. Uh, Francis Bernard is a guy who I like yep. quite a bit yep. from Utah. Um, had some issues early in his career when he was at BYU uh, with alcohol, and you know BYU is what it is. You're not allowed to you know do certain things, which he was doing. Um, being a, a young guy. Uh, but has apparently cleaned it up, you know, while he's been at Utah. I think that he's somebody who can contribute on special teams if he makes the roster. Somebody who is a pretty good cover guy uh, for the position, not, you know, a, a banger on the interior. He's a little bit smaller of a guy, but, uh, you know, some, some decent in- instincts and uh, athleticism to, to boot there. Terrence Steele, really, really long player. Uh, didn't really love his tape all that much, but you know the the physical attributes are, are there to to be a, a guy who you know is intriguing. Um, Charlie Tiamapu or Tiamapu, yeah. um, somebody who we saw at the Senior Bowl uh, along with Terrence Steele. Actually, I was gonna say um, yeah, Terrence Steele like it was up and down, but his ups at the Senior Bowl were really yeah, impressive. We're good. Yeah, uh, Charlie Tiamapu. I, I don't really know what to expect from him at the next level. Uh, Portland State is a little bit interesting. Uh, he's a little bit interesting, uh, but he had his ups and downs at the Senior Bowl as well. I just I don't know how he makes this football team with uh, the the way that the roster is currently constructed uh, with tight ends. I think that he'll be a wow. you know a, a I just I just saw this guy. one, uh, but uh, Darius Anderson, the TCU running back, also yeah, signed. Yeah, Jed Anderson. Jed Anderson. A, that's an interesting one as well. Yeah. Um, Sewell. Um, big, big, big dude. Uh, he'll be playing fullback for them. Hopefully, uh, I mean, they just signed their fullback to a contract extension, uh, to drop the one pass that it not drop. He didn't even touch it. Yeah. Uh, so the, the one pass that he gets thrown, he can't even touch. Um, but I'm not, you know, not mattering. Did you end up grading Kendrick Rogers? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I didn't either. I, I, he, he showed up on Courtney Davis's tape, but yeah, they signed him to. uh, and then Garrett Marino has a ton of tattoos that I have a lot of questions about. Um, but <laughs> that's, that's the, not uh, something that we're going to talk about. That is the UAB defensive yeah. tackle. Those tattoos are not something we're going to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I like what they did in undrafted free agency. And, and again, uh, going back to what I was mentioning earlier, something has changed. Because how many of those guys that we just listened were super small school undrafted free agents that's not normal for this team they don't normally do that they don't normally sign portland state jmu rhode island guys that's just something i don't know if it was a jason garrett thing i don't know if it was a scout thing that's no longer with the team but there has been so many changes in philosophies with this team just off of one draft that's just got me questioning what has changed because it's it's so different than what we've seen here recently yeah, no, I uh, I agree with you, but uh, I think we should let the people go. Yeah, it's been a long, long process. They're probably tired hearing about the draft. Yeah, I'm sure that they're not because we're gloating about them. But that is the end of this. I don't know when we will be back, but uh, that's something that I will talk to Connor about all fair. Yeah, well, I love we, you we'll, guys. We'll be back with the Talking the Star podcast here in a few weeks, hopefully. Yes. Yes, we will. Um, maybe even sooner than that. We'll, uh, we'll have to have those conversations. We haven't had those yet. But uh, I love you guys. Thank you for coming along with us. It has been a blast. Uh, we will be back, obviously, next year to talk about the draft. And we will be back soon to talk more about the Dallas Cowboys. Goodbye. Goodbye.